0: All right. Um, so general conference. <laughs> we have got a lot of ground to cover. Um, so I don't even know. <laughs> I have like a whole list of questions of like who is your favorite this and who was your favorite that? But um, just kind of opening it up. What do you guys want to talk about and, and how did conference impact you all? as uh, you were listening, like what were some of your favorites? What were some of the takeaways that have uh, blessed your life or uh, motivated your your studies, etc.? Just kind of opening it up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong question. <laughs> Just
1: kidding. <laughs> how, do you, how do you narrow it down, Cameron? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, see all the little flags? i i'm I'm at it with another book yeah oh favorite um
0: so yeah so what was your favorite apostle talk which apostle talk stood out to you so like not president nelson and not um any of the um just general leadership of the church but like apostles Like Bednar was a a great one for me. Uh, Bednar and uh, Ukdorf this time was kind of like a a powerhouse combo. I I loved studying those talks together.
2: I thought that (laughs) one awesome. Uh,
0: Who did you say? It was kind of muffled at the very beginning there. Sorry.
2: I loved his talk about not giving up, and I felt like it was so applicable to these days with so many people struggling. I love how he always goes for the mental illness. Mm-hmm. um subject and he covered it so well and like so gentle but so firm mm-hmm. and just so relatable I just love everything he says so so good
0: yeah and who was that guy like right after him or right before him I can't remember but uh he talked about it as well
1: Patrick Patrick Kieran
0: oh yeah Patrick Kieran yeah he's one of my favorites
1: yeah because Holland came on and he said you know my name is Patrick oh, yeah. Kieran, and he goes, oh, my name is Jeffrey R. Holland. is just going to go downhill from here. I thought that was really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love those little moments in conference. Um,
3: I could have used Elder Kieran's talk 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah, so I'm good. Happy.
4: I loved um, President Oaks so much. Mm-hmm. Just because I have, you know, we moved away from Utah a couple of, well, it's been about a year and a half now, I guess, but I have friends um, from Utah that are so confused about that doctrine and it's, it's just, ah, it's, I've worried about that so much with them and it was just, that talk was so comforting to me, it just was so comforting and, and it answered a lot of questions for me so i love that and then and then elder clinging bat was it something like that playing that things mm-hmm. um i loved his too it was about you know they were very similar so
0: yeah yeah i love them so this is just kind of a random question not super on topic but like you know Uh, It, it kind of gets passed around from different apostles right but it seems like there's always one that anytime a difficult uh, topic needs to be addressed they, you know we we kiddingly say that oh they'll send out elder oaks, you know and and discuss it right, I remember when I was growing up it was always uh, President Packer. Um, that yep they'll they'll send President Packer so who was it kind of growing up for for any of you do you remember like who was the kind of like the powerhouse apostles through the years that they're like yep if a difficult thing needs to discuss, they'll send this one I, I've always just been kind of curious through the years.
1: McConkie.
0: <laughs> yep I can imagine.
1: <laughs> McConkey. and then Maxwell.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and Maxwell is such an interesting one right because uh, he approaches it with such a different, um, loving parable type uh, thing. I, it's kind of like a, a one two punch, but like <laughs> very uh, interestingly delivered. I, I love that.
5: Well, with his, you always had to have a dictionary close by in order <laughs> to understand what he's talking about. Some people do. <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, uh-huh. Well, you know, I did grow up on Mad Magazine. That's about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, but yeah, President Oaks' talk was was amazing.
1: I like how um, Elder Renlund talked about you know the the things that you can learn from the young women's theme, right? Yeah. And just the first paragraph, I actually went and printed it out and stuck it in with the notes, right? So that I could actually um, look at it and see, you know, because I don't, I haven't had a a kid in young women's in Long time. fifteen years, yeah, seventeen years, right? So this I haven't even really looked at the new one lately, and so you know that's kind of that was that was a nice thing. I liked that.
0: Yeah is very interesting one of my favorite education week talks of like all time was about the young women's values and uh why the laurels are named the laurels and the my maids the my maids etc and like all of the symbolism that's baked into the the young women's program and then the next conference like <laughs> just a little while later it all changes and, and everything and so it's very interesting like all of the I don't know, I, all of the symbolism, all of the different things that the Lord um, inspires for the Young Women's Program because, you know, I've, I'm never going there. Like, <laughs> wasn't it Renlin that that did that joke? Surprise, I'm not young <laughs> and I'm not a woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll never be in, in that crowd, but um, there's a lot to be learned from, from that program and the inspiration that's went into it over the years.
1: I liked Ukdorf, you know, he had a, he had an analogy that was you know it's about bicycling and that's great and he goes you know well and for those of you who maybe can't understand that you i got something everybody can and it's airplanes right it was just that this was so fun you know he knows he's always talking about airplanes yeah
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> i found that very interesting and you know uh talking in in our our language of, of translation all that kind of stuff right but the the different methods of travel and learning and how that can be interpreted and like uh we start out on a bicycle and then we're we're gonna go soaring we're, we're gonna go super fast and uh into the end times here and then he's talking about sacrifice and and consecration and comparing those two uh, anyway very fun talks <laughs>
1: And, and look at the footnotes. Oh my goodness. Some of I these haven't
0: had a chance to yet. Oh, oh my goodness. Books. Oh my gosh. Those are huge. Mm-hmm. I love that because, like, President Nelson this time did a lot of explaining. Like, yes, he references scriptures, but he, he actually gives little mini discourses in the footnotes. Um, yeah. But look, Luke Dorse looks a, a lot the same here that he's given like little mini sermons. <laughs> I love it
1: yeah that, that was it was really good um but yeah there are for um president nelson's main one on the on spiritual um, spiritual momentum you know two of those footnotes are whole paragraphs that mm-hmm. give you additional things it's like it's a talk within a talk There was another one i was looking at that had that and i was like, wow um You know, they're all doing that. Like um, Elder Stevenson, his he he has this really long footnote on the growth of the church, right? You know, they're it's like they have all this extra stuff they want to say, but they have to have a certain time constraint, and so now they're starting to just put them in the footnotes Mm -hmm. for those of us who want to look. Yeah. You know. Those of the, you know, time everybody it's not just having time to look it's it's deciding that that's how you're going to use your time
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: right because we have we all have time some people just use them for other things mm-hmm. now, even elder cooks he gave additional information on so many So many things in his footnotes. So, I they're just they're very rich this time around.
0: Yeah. And you know, uh, like my mom was saying earlier, that it's so interesting to listen to the talks and then see the actual titles when they come out, like what um, those go through. And like just scanning through the titles right here, um, you know, (laughs) I don't even know why, but like Steady in the Storms. Uh, by by irene uh this time was uh, it's just popping out to me on the page right now and um you know like with with holland's fear not believe only exclamation point like this mm-hmm. this is it uh, anyway.
1: some of them are really some of them are really long mm-hmm. some of the titles this time are really long
0: yeah and like gene b bingham's Covenants with God strengthen, protect, and prepare us for eternal glory. Like, okay, yeah, that's a sermon in and of itself.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, um, Deseret News or the Church News in the newsroom puts out a um, a summary blurb within an hour after the end of each session, and they give you the titles
0: of mm-hmm. the talks
1: um, on those. So i I wait and write them down when I get them for that. So mm-hmm. you know, thats good. I thought, um Elder Anderson's talk on being a peacemaker um was good. we We need that so much right now in the world. Um and you know, I there was a couple themes that stood out to me. One was forgiveness, healing, you know that kind of thing and there's a lot that needs to be done in the church there's been so much contention and division and we need to have unity and so there's that but they hit missionary work hard this time and you know president nelson started them right off the bat
0: all right
1: you know young men get out there and go on missions we have not said you don't have to
2: (laughs) I kind of thought that was unusual how much they did hit on that, just because I feel like in the last at least 10 years, they kind of held back on the boys. Like, first, it was every young man needs to serve a mission. And then they kind of were like, you know, it'd be good to serve a mission because I feel like a lot weren't worthy or had other issues. But man, I felt like they hit it hard on every young man again that really surprised me I think it's good but then and then he was so president Nelson was also so um and it would be good for the girls to go but you know really um not the pressure for them and I thought that was interesting I kind of was contemplating it and I thought well if we're supposed to be the gathering they probably need to push You know, get it, get them going again. Because I don't, at least maybe you guys don't see it that way, but it seems like they kind of haven't pushed it like that. Does everybody agree or do you see it different?
0: Uh, I mean, that's the way I felt, but you know, I haven't been like super paying attention to like, you know, I've done and served. And so (laughs) I'm on my vacation mode. Uh, You know, I know I'm not supposed to, but
2: (laughs) I'm probably super sensitive about it because I have young men. Uh-huh. So I think I've been paying attention more and none of my boys. serve sure. missions. So I have three boys that could have, that didn't. And mm-hmm. so I think I'm pretty alert to it. And yeah. I was surprised, like, wow, it was strong. Yeah. Which I think is good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I would have heard like that rallying call, even in my rebellious years, I think I probably would have woke up and like, okay, I got this. I, I'm going to go. You
1: know, so it's that I reaffirm strongly that the Lord has asked every worthy, able young man, right? You know, the last couple of years with COVID, people went out, they came home. Do you go back out? Do you just stay home? It's been very flexible, very whatever works for you kind of thing. And I think this is the, okay, we're done with that. It's time to get back to where we were. And this is what we need to do. Because we only have, what 54,000 missionaries so the numbers are really low right now and we need to get it up we need to get that up so that we can gather Israel in the time that we have left
2: Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah, I think the uh, Lord I think the prophet was also trying to say that by small and simple things may great things bring to pass if families send missionaries out at this time, then that opens the windows of heavens for the families where he can bless those families in really tar- tough times. Whereas in most other cases, he would, he would be less inclined to uh, provide extra blessings if they weren't providing some form of sacrifice. And by sending a missionary out, male or female at this time, Uh, it might put the family in a hardship, so to speak, but the Lord always uh, abundantly blesses those people who are suffering or or sacrificing for his cause.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such an important principle, right? Like to to sacrifice, and, and sometimes we you might get a little lax in it and and so like when i say that like i'm on vacation mode of missionary work i i fully recognize that i haven't been sacrificing in in that specific way and that was a a big wake-up call for me in in conference of like get back on it be a better missionary done. Uh,
5: another serendipitous event maybe if the, the young men are out serving missions and there is a uh reinstitution of the draft, then maybe they will be passed over because they're out serving the Lord. So yeah. I don't know. That was something brought up earlier, but uh, that may be a serendipitous blessing as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Very interesting, especially in our, our world as as a whole. You know, like uh, President Nelson's emphasis on uh, the, the tragedies that are happening in, in the world and kind of preparing us. Yeah. It's a
2: little bit scary to me to think of those. a lot of young yeah. men going to, to the war because they're really good at video games, but I don't know about <laughs> reality. Like, if it was on the screen, it would be a challenge. A lot of boys aren't physically fit. I mean, the ones that are on teams that are athletic, but the rest of them, I mean, I still have teenagers, so I feel I can kind of, I see it. Things are kind of different than they used to be. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there are still a lot that are, but I think a lot of them would have a, a safe, need a safe spot in the army. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where you can just zoom in if if you feel so inclined.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's like a real awakening for many, right? And yeah. they would find out what, what real hard life really is about. And unfortunately, I think at some point that's coming, but I, I really think that, this is a prophetic thing from President Nelson of, go out and serve, and and those those young men who do, I think, will be protected. So um, there are so many members, there are so many members who are, I have been hearing, you know, like online and stuff. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna encourage my kids to go on a mission. Um, I don't want them to have to get the shots. I'm not gonna encourage them, kind of thing. And um, you know that's sad to hear, right? That those decisions are being made, and so you know I think I think the brethren hear stuff that's going on more than we give them credit
0: for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very aware. Well. Um. So, what was your favorite? Uh, talk out of the the women's session so we had lots of like questions kind of going into conference right like why are we having a, a women's session brought back like what's going on and so what is your guys's take on on that uh, you know especially with uh, President Oaks's uh, introductory remarks there but like what was the purpose of that women's session and how do you kind of see it moving forward and anyway just kind of anything about women's session there I, I found it very interesting because like some of those were some of my favorite talks out of uh, this conference. I really loved, um, oh goodness, what is her name? Um,
1: Susan Porter.
0: Susan Porter, yeah. Uh, the uh, the light and- uh, The land.
1: lessons learned from the woman at the well. Yeah. The lessons at the well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely love that talk. Uh,
1: False, and and
0: this talk was, was really good too. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think that was great. I thought it was very interesting that there had to be a first presidency introduction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Kind of interesting.
1: Um, and I think that's because they came out and they said, we're not having, we're not having the Saturday evening thing anymore. And then, you know, several months later, they came out and said, eh, just kidding. We're having one. and It's going to be a women's one. <laughs> But it was interesting that what he said is the Saturday evening session is a session of general conference. You know, the women's session used to be for Relief Society, it used to be the week before conference, you know, and then it kind of got rolled in as the every six months, you know, it was priesthood in April and Relief Society and in and the fall. And, and then it was women, there was everybody eating up. And, you know, so I think people thought, oh, good, that's coming back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And where he said it's a session of general conference. It's not any one organization's meeting, because I think when it was a women's thing, it was planned by that organization. But since it is a general conference session, it's now planned by the First Presidency, right? Just like every other session. Yeah. Um, and this one was concentrating on issues concerning women and you know and, and in, of interest to them. Next one who knows, it doesn't have to be women. It might not be for girls. It might be a young men's session or something. I don't know, but by, by saying this is conference, right? Yeah. And, and everything that that it's, um, he's leaving that open, right? Um, but I thought it was very interesting. We, we got a, a whole new um, Relief Society presidency there's been a lot of controversy around a certain member of the Relief Society presidency, and um, and and they all got released. I got the vibe that it wasn't originally planned, you know, because the new Relief Society presidency was the old primary president. She was just made that last year, so this isn't something that they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this, you know. So it was a lot of upheaval with that. But if you go back and you look at the video at the end of the session when President Nelson is going and shaking everybody's hands. Okay. Yeah. So go and look at the video when he gets to Sister Bingham. She's kind of, you know, this was her thing and she was conducting and, and everything like that. But she's the one, you know, she's the main one who just got released. And and her shoulders are kind of like this a little bit. And he comes up to her. And he just makes some gesture and he stands up and puts your shoulders up, hold your head up high kind of thing. And she immediately does that and smiles. He's like, okay, you know, kind of like, this is not, you know, don't feel bad about this circumstance. Right. And, and, and that just, it just speaks volumes. So
2: going and they're
1: not making the changes till August, but they're not doing that, um, someone that I know is a, a church employees in an it. And he said, it takes so long to do the transition, right. To transition in a new um, presidency. And I think usually they know a few months in advance so that they're ready to do it right away. Mm-hmm. This leads me to believe that this change was not planned as early as others are were, Right. And, um, He said that they would probably be um, in the system as of, you know, Monday morning, Um, but he said the ecclesiastical part of the church shuts down the whole month of July. All the general authorities go and spend the month of July with their families. So in August, everybody comes back. So in July, there's pretty much nobody around in Salt Lake except the employees who are usually there. And and so it makes sense for them to start August first, but that also lets um, that lets the outgoing presidencies finish whatever projects they were on for this year. That if they knew the change was coming, they might have had them done, so, you know, by April, right? But I, that whole thing leads that leaves you with that um, impression that it was a change that was recent. Recently decided on an expedited change, yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's just interesting. Um, Although most of the Relief Society, you know, general presidents they serve for about five years lately, and Sister Bingham had been in for five years, but two of them had been during COVID, so she didn't have hardly anything to do. So maybe she thought she was going to have you know longer time, and that might have been the original, the original plan. Um, But it was just to to see. I don't think she was ready, right? Just, just look at, go back and look at the end and, and, and see what your impressions and thoughts are.
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, let's see.
4: I know I got that same feeling too. Actually, when she was conducting, she didn't seem very happy for some reason to me. I just got the feeling that she was not happy <laughs> I mean as happy as she usually is so I I appreciate you sharing that Nancy because you know that that confused me just a little because I did I did see that she was not her happy cheerful normal self
1: I, I, I think that the brethren knew a change needed to be made in the presidency and if they had just changed one member of the presidency then that would really signal something, and and I think they were trying to avoid that. So okay, let's just release the whole presidency and and start over, and 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 they probably asked her to to make that sacrifice, and and so I think she was sad about that because I think she had plans of where she wanted to take the relief society and things she wanted to be able to do that she had to put on hold for two years due to COVID. And that she thought she was going to get to do. And now she's not.
4: Yeah, that's, that is sad. But, you know, if a change needs to be made, it needs to be made. So.
1: Well, correct. Oh, absolutely. But I think, it, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're like, oh, okay, you know, we got a new present, not a big deal. But that interaction at the <laughs> end was just so, it's so fast. It's very quick. If you're really not looking for it you almost will miss it, you know, if you're not really looking at how he's interacting with people, um, it just, but look at it and see, maybe you'll get a different impression, but that was my impression when I saw it.
0: Um, so, here we have the the temples at the end of conference, right? So I mean, seventeen—that's a pretty <laughs> huge number. I didn't know if he was going to stop it at any point or just keep them coming. while we got it. But it's interesting that that uh, marks the the hundredth temple for President Nelson to announce. You know, I think all of that is is pretty significant. But um, just what are your thoughts on temples? What what are we doing? Where are we headed? Are any of these um, impactful ones for you? In um, maybe they're they're close, maybe they're uh, sentimental because a mission served or, or something like that. But just what are your thoughts on on the temples that he he finished up on?
1: None in Utah. <laughs> I mean that's a,
0: that's an interesting one. There was a lot of United States ones, I thought. Um, but but yeah, none in Utah. <laughs> I like the
2: Idaho one, though no, the Bear Lake one is amazing. Yeah. Then the I Bear was thinking, is- oh, I wonder think if that's a gathering spot because that's so isn't that a really small um city? I can't even think of it Montpelier. Bear Lake,
0: Montpelier. Montpelier.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: I love I love Montpelier. I was so excited about that, I almost <laughs> jumped off the couch. Um because I just love Bear Lake. I was thinking, I wonder if that's a gathering spot because that's a pretty small area. Yeah. He's setting up portal. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. You know, that could technically be in Kirtland because Kirtland is a suburb of Cleveland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's very interesting. I love it.
1: You know, that's one way to say, hey, we're going to build a temple in Cartland again without really freaking everybody out. I mean, I think
0: somebody
1: I mean, out more is we're building in Far West.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine? I thought, of
1: thought that too. <laughs> <Missouri>. <laughs> I
2: thought, thought that too. That's funny. That's
5: good. Okay. Really Adam on, on and then you'll know that things are really
1: happening. Spring yeah. Hill, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs>
5: I
0: love it yeah but I just kind of looking through them like New Zealand gets another one I mean how great for for those people like is New Zealand one of the ones that's scheduled as a pioneer temple to be renovated or, or not I, I I wasn't totally sure on that but regardless it, awesome if if New Zealand gets another one there
1: so there was a comment that someone made online um and it I know that there uh it wasn't necessarily a positive comment right but it made me think. They were making a comment about why do we need a temple in the Republic of the Congo? Mm -hmm. Because there's already one 12 kilometers away in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And there's traffic back and forth and all that stuff. You know, what do we need one here? Why are we building another temple in this small area in Africa where there's only a small number of people, you know, 12 kilometers, that's nothing. And it's less than 10 miles away, right? Right? Okay, well, maybe a little more than 10 miles, All right? Something like that. And as I was pondering that, as I read that, I was like, well, because they're in two different countries, and if the borders close, people are not going back and forth. And so then I started looking at what you have, right? And I started talking with my daughter-in-law about the temples in Europe. So now Spain will have one, Italy has one, France has one, Germany has one. There's already <laughs> one in Switzerland, right? Go, there's one in Denmark, there's already one in England. Go through Europe and look at where are all the temples. I think they're trying to put temples within the country's boundaries so that when war breaks out and borders are closed, people still have access.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about going through the European ones and and mapping that all out. But I mean, yeah.
1: What country doesn't have one?
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Poland? Yeah. You know, but like if Russia were to come through and, and my daughter in law, who is German and has a sister, her sister in law's sister is Ukrainian and just escaped from Ukraine with driving the whole family, had to drive two straight days, you know, it, it was it was a crazy thing. Um, and she was quite upset about that at the time, but she stopped and paused and thought about it. And she goes, we got an announcement about a temple in Russia in a city to be determined. If Russia reabsorbs Ukraine, would the Kiev temple then be the temple in Russia? Interesting. Because it's already built and mm-hmm. it's already, it's ready <laughs> up again. Yeah. Right?
0: That, that's very so interesting, yeah.
1: That was that was a, a thought that she had, you know, seeing as how things are going, she says, if it goes that way, if Russia starts trying to retake all of the countries that they used to have before the wall fell. <laughs> so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: anyway, um, there, there,
0: you were talking about temple, there's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, cause like some of these, um, Missoula, Montana, like uh, interesting how many Montana's getting uh, here and there. And um, Florida, Tennessee, Kansas, it's almost like each of the states are, are getting a, a, a temple or are pretty dang close for, for some of those like border things like you're saying.
1: Well, if <laughs> you go and you listen, if you read Visions of Glory, what did he talk about in Montana? There was a lot in Montana, right? How many places of refuge might there need to be in Montana for people as they're fleeing whatever?
5: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. I love that. And then, um, Mother, what was that one video that you were talking about? Anyway, the, the number 17 keeps popping up where we have the 17 temples that are announced here but um what of their 17s were was he mentioned in there
2: um about
1: the um uh, the feast being uh 17 days long this year oh, yeah.
0: so like the the feast of pentecost right the the shavuot is um, it varies in length, but this year it's it's 17 days long. Who,
1: who um, was talking
0: about this? What was it? Christian Homestead or something like that? I think is the, the uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, oh, it's
1: not a conference talk, it was in a YouTube
0: oh, yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, just a YouTube video. But um, that President Nelson is the 17th president, that the Relief Society is now the 17th Relief Society president, uh, shavuot 17 temple 17 anyway it's just kind of interesting how numbers sometimes pop up in in groups like that not saying what that is, I, I know the answer but <laughs>
1: what is the symbolism of 17
0: um what was lisa saying the other day she was saying that uh 17 is broken down into eight and and its counterparts and that eight is that that nine
1: Eight is like Melchizedek, right?
0: Yeah, Melchizedek and priesthood and rebirth and, and, and
1: renewal. Mm-hmm. And nine is a superlative of three.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine is usually uh, denoting mysteries or the uh, the secrets of the kingdom that God reveals, uh, kind of a thing. But interesting, so the
1: secret, secrets of the kingdom that God reveals of the the renewal of the priesthood Mm.
0: (laughs) i don't know maybe okay but yeah i I thought that was interesting with with those temples there um
1: there was a lot of there was a lot of uh talk about tracy browning being the first black woman in a general presidency for the church and yeah. of course, you know, right around the time of all the Supreme Court stuff, right, where you know, and here's one who's there not just because she's a black female, right? I guess it's yeah, it, it's uh that's kind of cool. And then um, Kristen Yi is she Asian? She's in the New Relief Society presidency.
0: Yeah, I, do you know her? So, <laughs> I don't know them as well as, as I do the others.
1: If she's married, I assumed it was maybe her husband. I don't hmm. know, but if you look at her picture, she looks like she's Asian. So...
0: yeah that'd be interesting to to dive into every time that there's like a new presidency called or anything uh it it takes me a while but (laughs) I eventually get that in my schedule to like really learn about them and uh uh, find out about their story and everything it was interesting like Camille Johnson or whatever she has ties to to Malta here and I had no idea until I (laughs) dove into her story um what exactly was that mother like her grandpa no, her dad was raised here. Her dad was raised here.
2: Wow. Yeah, I knew him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to dive into, into her and, and get to know her better. So as far as like preparation and timelines and, and all of that kind of stuff, like what kind of vibes were you getting from, from conference, from the wordings, from uh, some of the themes and, and things that we were running through the talks?
5: Don't get your information from Facebook and from Twitter and, and, <laughs> and, and the, the social gab places, yeah. you know, and you might be able to get ideas from, from, uh, from YouTube, but don't get your facts from YouTube. You, you got to get your facts from the scriptures and you got to get the confirmation from the Holy Spirit, um, for, to identify truth, um, and and not everybody who has a channel will give you 100% of the answers all the time. You can get good truth, and you can get uh, good ideas and good questions from all kinds of sources. Even bad sources will give you good questions and give you even, even a little bit of a rumor has a little bit of truth in it, but you have to rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to to. De- to glean out that truth and to be able to disregard all of the the uh, the dictations of man uh, wrapped up with scripture. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It was interesting on um, President Nelson's very last talk. The title of it is called "Now Is the Time." You know, how many times has he been talking about like in a future day or, you know, uh, the time is coming kind of a thing? But <laughs> now it's kind of interesting. The time is now.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I felt like they out. were, oh, sorry. Sorry.
2: Go ahead. You're okay. I felt like they were really just telling us we needed to step up our game, repent, mm-hmm. get on the covenant path, and get rid of contention.
0: <laughs> yeah. By Easter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, what's happening next Sunday?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> but yeah, they have the same vibes.
1: I liked the poem that he shared about the sundial, yeah. right? Very um, interesting. In the, we're taking the um, emotional resilience, self-reliance class mm-hmm. and, um, you know, because of conference and we had state conference today and next week is Easter, we're going a month um between lesson modules right but this last lesson module was very much about being mindful and being present Mm -hmm. and being now right um and and meditating on the present right because satan wants us to worry about the past or to fret over things in the past that we can't change or to spend so much time looking at the future, at things that might or might not happen. And if he can distract us in that way and keep us from being present now, he can keep us from really connecting with um, Heavenly Father. And we do that in the present now, that's where we find God. And um, I took a Education Week class a couple of years ago and it was talking about that. and. And I find it interesting that now he's bringing this up he's like now focus on now and then this sundial poem you know reinforced that concept that not the past not the present but what are you going to do with the time you have right now
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
1: now is the time to
0: repent
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh, it's so powerful and like wasn't Uchtdorf the one right before this or I can't remember anyway um, anyway Uchtdorf's talk really like kind of went hand in hand I felt with President Nelson's and um, anyway it, it, I loved the the last line of the the, the poem that you're just talking about there um it talks about the shadow like now mm-hmm. on which the shadow stands that just like really stood out to me and I was like huh I'm really gonna have to go back and like dive into to that um that poem and stuff when it comes out and I haven't had time to like fully uh get in there but yeah uh, amazing stuff I you know I've seen a, a lot of uh chatter on uh the jeremiah reference from that last talk there you know if we study jeremiah 30 and the context of, of all the prophecies there um it, it, <laughs> it's very interesting at the timing uh, now is the time and that jeremiah 30 is that uh, renewal of the the sinai covenant um it's kind of like the the last hurrah like if you don't do it now it, it, it's over like uh, <laughs> the yeah uh, we're gonna lose Jerusalem if if mm-hmm. we don't get it. Um, our ducks in a row.
1: Well, and you were saying when you said renewal of the covenant, that brought me back to Jean um, Bingham's talk, right, about mm-hmm. covenants and about how important it is to keep our covenants. I have um, I have been seeing a lot of. Um, I'm on a, a number I'm on a Facebook group for LDS moms, right? And I don't I don't really can look at it that often, but um lately whenever I do, it seems like I'm seeing um more and more people talking about how well, you know, garments are not comfortable and i don't wear my garments or i only wear them this much and you know i don't do this and oh well you don't need to do this you don't need to and, and it's just creeping in all this you don't have to do this to keep a covenant you don't have to do that you don't have to keep this covenant uh you know that's too much to ask that kind of attitude and i'm and you know sister bingham is like look this is what covenants are for and you need to keep the covenants. Um. And and that that's how we don't fall to the rocks of adversity, right? You know, it's all being grounded and tethered to Christ. So um I I I just thought that was um that was interesting. How she's she was hitting hard on covenants as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I loved it, and her footnotes are interesting too. Kind of, uh,
5: just kind of the the progression of of all that.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Interesting that they. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting the way Elder uh, Band, was Razban, Runland, Elder Runland, Runland, who who basically gave half of his talk, a presentation that he gave to the Kaysville sisters about uh who to pray to and and how to refer to the mother in heaven you know i think that has a lot to do with a lot of stuff that's going on now too so Mm -hmm. um, you know it's important to find out about the divine feminine but you also got to realize what the protocol is and uh and and jesus christ sets out what the protocol is in order to have success and you know it's important to to acknowledge that mother in heaven is there and and uh, and still have the love for her but right now the business all goes through through jesus christ to the father
0: so mm-hmm. yeah um let's see where's some of my other questions
4: yeah I feel like they were just a lot of the time we're just trying to set us straight on things that we should already know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah kind of reaffirming truth yeah people are getting confused about or or going um you know starting to to uh, what am I trying to say (laughs) On their own understanding, you know, and not and not by what what we have learned um, through the scriptures and from the prophets. And I just feel like a lot of people just need to be reminded about what what is truth and what is not truth and what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. And so I got a lot of that from conference. Mm -hmm. they're beckoning
1: people back to the path
4: yeah because there are a lot there's
1: a lot of people especially it's an issue especially in Utah County I don't know about north of Salt Lake but there's a apparently as you get closer and closer to Provo there's more and more issues with these young 20 and 30 something moms and young women and stuff who are They're feminists. They want to ditch what they see as the patriarchy and, and they're, you know, they're praying to mother in heaven. Um, And I didn't realize, you know, how big of a deal it was. I'm talking to my, my daughter-in-law and she's like, yeah, my upstairs neighbor, she, she was going to have her name taken off the rolls of the church because she's just so upset about stuff, and and she's uh, you know praying to Mother in Heaven, and but she's not wearing her garments anymore, and you know, she, you know just all of these things that we were talking about, right? And she went in to see her bishop, and um, was instead given a calling to be a counselor in the Relief Society, and so she just decided to stay a little bit longer and to give it another shot, and then they went to. The women's conference together and she's like I I hope she got some of the message out of here that she needed to hear right um but apparently it's it's rampant um the closer you get around BYU um and and that brings me to another thing you know there have been so many professors and things in BYU who have said that the proclamation on the family is an outdated document and it's not we don't really we're not really doing that anymore you know we're all inclusive we're doing all these things we're, we're not we're not talking about that we're not we're not going to talk
0: about yeah, that. And how many times it was referenced in this conference alone
1: <laughs> oh well and you know and 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 president oak right
0: yeah
1: oh. he slapped it down and said this is it and this is still in force and we're still doing this and and uh I think you're you're right, Cindy. It was a lot of correction. Get back on the path. Yeah, you know, here's the path. Here's where you need to be. Um, uh, Otherwise, you know, you're going to be separating yourself from from uh, the right the right way. You're going to make yourself a tear.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you say that um, the closer you get to BYU, because (laughs) we lived in Orem, that's where I lived before we moved to Colorado, and several sisters that I was very close with, I had worked very close with them in, in callings, and I know I'm good friends with them and yeah, they, they were call they were posting things on Facebook that the proclamation of the family needed to change and, and all kinds of things. Um, I just, and like I said at the beginning, I've been so worried about them. And so I was very uh, comforted that, that that was addressed in general conference. And I hope and pray that, that, you know, people who are struggling can can take that and change, you know, and realize the error, you know, and that we still need to be following these things. They're still in force. And it's, it's just, it's crazy times we live in, <laughs> really crazy.
1: Well, I, I think we have a lot of per- liberal professors who have brought in all those philosophies of men into so many of the programs at BYU. And they have um, indoctrinated, for want of a better word, for years, a whole generation of these young women and then, you know, young mothers, and then they go and they hear the same thing from the world, and then they experience some things, and then the church seems to be, you know, sending out an olive branch, right, to the LGBT community, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, look, we love you. Come and and you know there is a place for you, kind of thing. Um, but uh, I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, things are going to change. the The church is going to change based on social whatever, and we're gonna we're gonna change, and we'll soon have you know same sex marriage in the church and in the temple, and isn't that going to be great? And every time somebody would say that, I said. How does that fit into the plan of salvation? Do you understand the plan? If you don't understand the plan, you're not going to, you know, or if you do understand the plan, you're not going to fall for that, right? And so I, I really appreciated Elder Oaks coming and talking about the plan.
5: Yeah,
4: absolutely.
5: Yeah, the law of chastity is still in force. Yeah. We can still love the people, but the law of chastity still remains in force. It's an eternal principle. Yeah. That's there for a reason, and not just just to
1: make somebody miserable,
5: make somebody miserable, or to hold have power over somebody's ability.
1: And 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 people who have that um, struggle, um, as long as they're living the law of chastity, just like everybody else, they are just as worthy. They can receive the inspiration. They can um, have all of those things.
4: All of the right? blessings.
1: All of the, ble- all those blessings, they just, um, they have to follow the same rules everybody else does, right? And and I think that there's a, a growing group of people that want the church to say, they don't have to follow the same rules. Yeah. And I, I guess if the church was based on the philosophies of men, it might make those changes like so many others have. But when it's grounded in God's law and in the plan, um, I think that's why we're seeing this,
4: yeah, I've talked several times this year to my seminary students about that exact thing, you know, trying to make sure they know that you know we do need to love, but it's all about the law of chastity, and you know, as long as we everyone keeps the law of chastity, then you can get all those blessings you're qualified for all those blessings and you know we we just need to love each other but um it's interesting that you talk about BYU because my daughter got accepted to BYU and she decided she's going there and I know (laughs) about what's happening at BYU and so we've had several talks Um, And she knows that just because it's BYU doesn't mean that everything that is being taught is truth. And you need to, you know, I've I've tried to tell her that that you need to have the spirit and to be able to to decipher what is truth and what is not truth. Because just because it's BYU doesn't mean that everything is going to be truth. And uh, so... Yeah, it's becoming harder too. and harder for these kids. I just feel bad for them.
1: Cindy, do they do you still teach the Plan of Salvation at the beginning of the seminary year every year?
4: Uh, we we have, yeah. Uh, actually, okay. I just started this year. I just started in September, teaching, and we did teach the Plan of Salvation, yeah. Um, that was
1: one thing I noticed when I was a seminary teacher is every year we were teaching the plan and, you know, I didn't, this was a, a while ago, probably 10 years or more. I didn't understand then why every year I'm teaching the plan of salvation at the beginning, you know, so I got to teach it four years in a row. And I'm like, man, I'm sick of this. These kids are probably sick of hearing this, but now I see so much that all the basic doctrines, everything goes back to the plan if you have a question hold it up against the plan of salvation and and then see where it stacks up you know um if you have a a kid who's asking you know if i am lgbtq plus is there a place for me in the church or why does the church um discriminate against you know gays or whatever I, i think at that point i would ask so give me an example of what you're seeing And then tell me what you know about the plan, right? And then you can find out, do they know the plan? I think that's, we teach it in seminary, but I think they tune out because, oh, I had that last year, right? Isn't that what we do? And so I'm wondering how how much of it sticks.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you never know how much of it sticks. You can just teach it and hope that they get out of it, what they need to get out of it.
0: Right. Yeah, Leslie, what you got?
3: Um, okay, I had to make sure I was <laughs> unmuted. Um, I, um, it's been a rough week, so, um, I, um, sorry. I've got uh, six children and the first couple were, uh, I, I call them the guinea pig children because I didn't know what I, neither one of us knew what we were doing. And um, so by the time the fifth and sixth children came along, um, I feel like I had a better handle. Like, I knew the gospel at that point and, and, uh, um, I felt like, um, I was doing a better job as a parent and I was more healed and, you know, lots of reasons for me to think that, um, it was going to be better. And there's been, um, a, a series of, um, by, by the way, Becky says that she misses you guys. She she might be out for a little bit, but we'll see. Um, so I was just, I was just I had some experiences this week that made me question um the validity of what I have thought because I've noticed that my youngest two children are um, they just see things so differently than than how they were raised and everybody gets to choose but I was talking to my oldest daughter about this because well I was prompted to and I didn't I didn't understand I don't understand quite what's going on because it's just um things aren't quite running off the rails but kind of of, with one of them maybe and um she said something that um l referred to in the chat it's the um subversion of the educational system and my youngest is a girl and she went to that part matters but um she went to BYU-Idaho and she and her husband graduated from there and um, they're now, he's um, just about to graduate from BYU Law School. And I've noticed how, I, I just, it's, it's not as conservative as an education. That I was expecting, and my my son, older than her, um, I can see where the education is influencing them in ways that my older children didn't experience, and um, it's probably just a sign of the times in general as well. But I was, um, I've just been kind of in shock from getting. just heartbroken for our youth and um, because they're being steeped in this and they don't even know that they they are and it's uh it's really rough and um i'm hopeful that um well you know how they make changes that that don't have anything to do with things that they say in general conference and so um i have a Becky's husband, my son, and um, my son-in-law. Um, they're on high councils in different states, and they were both, um, they they didn't give specific to too many specifics, but that there's changes coming down the pike from the brethren because they are concerned, like the things that you were talking about, Nancy. Um, they said that um that people are picking and choosing along the wasatch front mainly of what they um, that their own form of righteousness and um, they're endeavoring to correct that and um, and I said then then um, they said well you'll be surprised at even the changes that are going to be made in Deseret book and I thought hmm, I don't know what that is going to look like but I, I feel a lot of hope, even in the midst of this sadness, that, um, that they, they're going to be taking steps more than just what they said in conference to, to help our, our brothers and sisters um, to get back on track. And that's my prayer.
1: Yeah. Well, Dr. Rett Book had scheduled for a while some video series or whatever that they were doing um, that prominently figured somebody talking about um, critical race theory. And um, they they had it all scheduled. The guy had put them in these classes, these online classes or whatever. And then uh, probably about a month ago or maybe a couple of months ago, they delayed it and delayed it. And then they put a stop on it. And the guy was, he was really upset. There was a quick media did a video about it a couple months ago, I think. And, um, you know, so I, I can see Leslie, what you're talking about. I think the, um, I think that they are, they are doing some things like that. People have the impression that if they see, a, if they read a book, it does a rep book. You know, they see something available that that is an endorsement by the church, that this is a good, accurate, thing it's safe I you know I can go and buy a book from Deseret book it's put out by them and that's going to be safe I go to one of these other publishing houses uh, maybe maybe not you know that kind of thing but it'll, it'll be good if it comes from Deseret book and, and that's the impression that many members have um and um so I think that uh I, I I think we're seeing that it would be good to see them do some house cleaning um you know And and there's definitely some house cleaning that needs to be done at BYU. And there's, I think there's some professors who think that they're untouchable. Um, But it'll be good to, to see if something comes of some of the ones who are spreading all sorts of things. Like the one who was on a couple of weeks ago who was on some program talking about how Joseph of Egypt must have been gay. Oh, yeah. if you haven't if you haven't yeah. seen that oh yeah if you haven't seen that and heard that exactly Cindy exactly he <laughs> was he it, oh and and this is a professor who is teaching our young and impressionable kids at BYU and 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 he started out with that and by the time he was done with whatever his presentation at the end of his presentation he was he was even saying that John the beloved, was beloved because john and christ had a little thing going on the side i mean oh my this wonder. is what they're teaching yes this is what they're teaching oh my gosh you know i yeah <laughs> it just makes you want to facepalm right so crazy um i'm so glad that my youngest son is not going to bYU i do have two kids who graduated from there um one came out saying wow BYU is not what you think it is and um you know so it's it, it at least if they don't go to what the if they don't go to BYU at least they know okay I'm not at a church school I can look critically at everything that any professor tells me and I can hold it up against what I know about the gospel but if I go to BYU then well they all have temple recommends, right? So they must be teaching me the right stuff. And and, and I, don't, I don't have to do that work to, to see if what I'm being taught is true. And so they just accept it. And I think that's how they're getting so many off the path. And you know, they graduate and they live in Provo, they live in Orem, they live in the surrounding areas, the Silicon Slopes is, you know, Lehigh is, this place is exploding down here. Our stake president showed a video of the new buildings on in our, in our stake. We moved in two years ago and there were six wards in our stake. There are now 12. This one particular ward has been split like three times in the last two years. And I look at the building that's coming, they're gonna have to split the stake, I would say within a year. We already have 5,800 members in our state. They don't let them get much bigger than that. there's just so much new building that's coming in at, and, and you know so these kids are coming into BYU, they're graduating, they're getting jobs, these big tech jobs here, and they're staying and they're bringing the attitudes that they're learning at BYU. and, and it's, it's really changing the whole dynamic down here.
4: Oh. Yeah, that's exactly why I've been telling my daughter. <laughs> you know, just because it's BYU doesn't mean that it's all truth, because it's not. You just you have to be really careful, just like you would at any other school. Hmm. So it's yeah. isn't
0: it interesting that our leaders are uh, telling us where to get our education? It's so important to get an education, but get it directly from the Lord. The Lord loves to do His own teaching in His temple. If you go there, we don't have teachers. <laughs> we only have the master teacher that can present the the true life plan, the the plan of salvation in its purity, kind of a thing. Everything else, uh, we have to <laughs> have our not have our blinders up. Uh, you know, just like you said. Uh, well, there they have temple recommends. Why wouldn't we believe them? Uh, versus. To spend more time in the temple. The time in the temple will change your life. That's where you're gonna learn.
5: I think a lot of the errors that are in in our our neighborhoods and our society today are all traditions, traditions from the past, errors of the fathers. And I think because they were they became cultural norms. They were also considered doctrine. They were all considered the right thing to do, and I think people have lost a lot of their understanding of the of the true doctrine, um, kind of like the Jews did uh, uh, when Christ was around. You know that they had gotten so much into the cultural normity of of all the six hundred and whatever commandments that the Jews had come up with that they got lost in to what truth was. And I think it's very important to really stick to the very basics of the gospel and understand that the traditions of the fathers in trying to uh, explain every error and to give a, a rule and a law and a litigation for every, anything that could go wrong um, they've gone past the mark. So I think it's especially that's the reason why the prophet has been telling us to get our education straight from the Savior himself. And that's, uh, that's the only way to be able to sort it all out and to be able to see where the errors started to pull off to the side and we began to take off on the wrong path. Well, it's been a fun
0: chat. I <laughs> we <laughs> went and uh, it's so fun how uh, every group takes it lots of different ways. Uh, very interesting, intriguing things to. I'm gonna be uh, re-watching these uh, <laughs> a few times, I bet. But, um,
5: anyway well, I, uh-huh. I ran across, or I, I don't know anyway, this past week or so, we ran across a YouTube channel that deals with tra- tra- tradition and it's called, uh, 132 uh, problems. Okay. And it's very important. It's a, a, a lady that's got 12 episodes out, but it's very, very important that you start with episode number one, uh, because she is actually, <coughs> she actually goes over, um, the whole idea of polygamy and where it came from, and why it came from, and and a lot of the philosophy in the polygamy. Now, it's not necessarily the subject itself that intrigued me about what she talks about, but it is how in-depth she uses the scriptures to explain the laws of chastity and the way that the Lord has explained it, or has seemed to have explained it, over the many centuries and throughout all the scriptures so she has a, a very valid point and she doesn't um she grew up thinking that polygamy was a great idea and it was the lord's way and then well through her story she talks about it in her first episode she had um she comes to the realization that it wasn't what she thought it was so anyway i i tell you it's um it's very good um, as far as helping to see how to use the scriptures, not by just picking one or two scriptures, but really linking scriptures throughout all of the, out of all of the standard works to see patterns in the way the Lord sets up things. So <clears throat> for those of you who have the time and maybe the inclination, uh, I would encourage it to at least take in the first three or four of them and then see if you want to continue on but they're they're very enlightening and they give you a lot of aha moments at least just to think about
1: and and most people who want to take that kind of um oh thanks Ella is that the the link most most people yeah i
2: figured i better look it up before i forget (laughs) otherwise it'll be gone yeah
1: most people who who take an attitude or a, um, a position on polygamy, usually that leads to them being upset with the brethren or trying to say something bad about the church and calling in a line of authority into question. She doesn't do that at all. That is not her thing. And, you know, in one of her videos, you know, she, she acknowledges the fact that um, some leaders may have made mistakes. And and let their own traditions come into things, but when we go back, let's go back to the scriptures. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord teach? What are we really, you know? And do we have this tradition of that this is the highest thing ever? And and where do we get that from? Because if we read all the scriptures, here's all the things. And man, she lays them out so well. Um, but she's she's very very good. And I was at first hesitant because I wasn't sure what what was her her um, agenda. agenda and her agenda seems to be truth and um, it is not uh, contradictory to the gospel or to our leaders today or anything like that so that um, anyway yeah. check it out.
5: I will say this: that as I listen to it, the more I listen to it, the uh, the more I begin to appreciate the the position that the women in the church hold and their importance uh, of their influence and their um, contributions to to our lives. So, I I actually continued watching it more to. Uh, grow in respect and uh charity for my own wife than i did for the whole prop the whole idea of polygamy but it helped me to appreciate the one wife that i do have and and to make that a um, uh, a, a very uh it increased my ability to um sanctify my relationship.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Have to check it out.
1: So the message I just sent in the chat was supposed to be a response to somebody in particular, not just to everybody. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> send me, send me a private message or an email. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry um, about that.
0: <laughs> You're good. Um, So as far as uh, the revamp schedule, just making sure we're all on the same page, uh, given that many people want to continue on with with President Nelson's talks and take things a little bit slower than we were going. So um, next week, we will actually dive into his April 2020 talks. And then from there, we'll get back to um, the, the last two conferences that we have to cover, April 2021 and October 2021. And then uh, for two weeks, all of the groups will all be on the same uh, material. So the first one being the Enzyme article, the second one being the Restoration Proclamation, and then we're going to go kind of study topically. So splitting back out, so uh, week 13 is going to be discussing the three different talks given to the youth um and then uh the women and men it's mostly like a women's study but um the price of priest of power has a lot of great um insights for for both sides and and things right there so that's what i i threw out for for group b and then week 15 is a comparison of um for, for group B, all of his dedicatory prayers of temples, kind of studying those all together um, and noticing differences and, and things like that. Um, are, they
1: in first Nelson? are they in fifth Nelson?
0: Yeah, everything it okay. should be in there. Yeah, as far as any of those, all of the interviews, the dedicatory prayers, and the the video addresses are, are all in uh, fifth Nelson. And then... Um, let's see, what else do I got? Oh, so as far as this week, we've got a busy week. Uh, Friday is um, the, the Seder dinner that we're going to do virtually. Everything is going to be on the same Zoom link that we use for classes. Um, so the Seder dinner this Friday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you have any questions, email me. Um, and then the Four Ordinations book, uh, we're going to do chapter 17. Uh, that is Saturday at 1030 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of irons in the fire, don't we? But um, uh, anybody that's interested in doing ham radio with us, uh, if you've seen the email, but uh, there's a few of us wanting to kind of take those classes together because it's a little overwhelming. And so we're just kind of studying together. Um, but we're kind of diving into that this next week. Um, but if not, we'll we'll see you all next week for uh, the discussion on President Nelson's um, past three talks that he just barely gave. Uh, we'll deep dive in all the footnotes and, and rich goodness that that's in there. But yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> we'll see everyone next week. Have a great week, everyone.